All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, my guest is Ephraim Cohen, Global Managing Director of Media Plus Platforms at Fleischman Hillard. As part of his global role, Ephraim is responsible for bringing together the practices media relations, social media, content curation, data transformation, and digital capabilities. Prior to joining Fleischman Hillard, he was the chair of technology and digital content industry practice and executive vice president of innovation at MWW, where he led programs for Samsung, Deloitte Digital, and Verizon Fios. But how do I know him? So before that, we crossed over with a company called Accenture. He was running Vortex Group, an industry community building firm targeting media, music, video, and marketing industries with clients who were, of course, Accenture, Media and High Tech, IDA, Singapore, and Universal Music Apps, plus a bunch of others. Well, I could go on and on with your bio because it goes on for, uh, for some few more paragraphs here, but I think the reality is you have done a lot and you are certainly doing some exciting things right now. So I just want to welcome you, Ephraim. Welcome you. to It's Great Business. I'm so glad you're able to join. And no, I'm um, uh, glad I, to be here. This is exciting. Yeah. Looking forward to having a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, as we're getting more and more into It's Great Business, there are so many people um, who we've crossed over over the years, and it's been just a blast to be able to reconnect and, um, and that's how Ephraim and I ended up deciding that uh, he was going to join us for It's Great Business. So let, why don't you tell me in your own words a little bit about who you are and what your purpose is, because you've done so much at this point in your very young age. Um, <laughs> well, you know how to start with flattery. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so say like, it is no longer truly a young age. The audience should know. Um, and, and purpose is a tough question because it, it can feel like it, it changes with age. Uh, you start off in your career and you're hard charging, looking to progress. Uh, then add a couple kids and all of a sudden your purpose changes and then you find a different sort of balance. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, one of the reasons I really enjoy doing what I'm doing, and I've, I've been on the agency side in some form for about two decades um, is that I've always, you know, as that classic tinkerer as a kid, you know, whether it was taking apart the toys or dabbling in computer programming in the early days, the disk drive days, um, you know, professionally, it's the same thing. How do things really work? What's a better way of doing them? Um, and there's, you know, always get motivated by there, there's got to be a better way and there must be some other objective or goal we're really pursuing. It's sort of the combination of different layers of motivation, whether, you know, business motivation is like an objective or motivation of people who work for you or family members. And then what's the best way to pursue things. So that's like at a very high level, 
Mm-hmm. That's what really, what, what keeps me going and kind of fills that need to figure out how to do something better. How does it really make it work? And can you do something better with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because we have people uh, who listen to this podcast who are just starting out people that are kind of somewhere in the middle going, eh, you know, do I'm loving, do I love what I'm doing? And people that are at that next kind of juncture where second act, whatever we but they've learned a lot and now they're trying to figure out what do I do and again always driven by sort of this what's my passion what's my purpose so when you think about your personal and career journey um, and where you are today you know tell me a little bit about that and and if somebody was you know thinking about maybe getting going where do they start um so, you know, one thing I found myself telling people a lot is it's kind of a balance of don't, don't worry about the long-term journey right now. Mm. Um, focus more on, you know, what drives your passion, what drives your intellectual interests and search out what can make what you're doing today, the most interesting job in the world. Mm-hmm. So I was actually a colleague of mine named Paul D'Alessio years ago, and, and he's heard me um, pass on this recommendation time and time and time again, uh, tuned me into the podcast called Surprisingly Awesome. And if you haven't listened, it's, I think Gimlet Media produces it. It's a great podcast. They take in- incredibly seemingly dull things and make them interesting. So, you know, you can riveting episodes like concrete or cardboard, or if you really want to sit on the edge of your seat, they have one on floss. Um, <laughs> but the core idea of it, you know, that I'm relating to people just starting out is there's something interesting about everything. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's important to figure that out at the start is if you don't, you might miss opportunities for the future. And that's important because there, there are two things you don't know. You don't, when you're just starting out, it's hard to know what's truly interesting mm-hmm. uh, versus what someone tells you is interesting or looks exciting in a video. And two, you don't know what the future of the world is going to be like. If you did, I, or if you did, I'd say, forget everything I just said and go be a venture capitalist. Like if you really know what the future is like and the opportunities, <laughs> like disregard everything previously, be a VC. Outside of being some sort of uh, soothsayer, yeah. really figure out how to find things that are interesting, understand how the world works. And then as new opportunities develop, you'll have a better sense of what's really going to engage you versus what looks interesting on paper and a picture and a video. Yeah. Um, and my own journey was a little bit like that, but, but it, it was an accident. Um, I was kind of the classic, didn't know what to do with my life. I just did things that were interesting. I studied dramatic literature and political science in, as an undergrad. I then graduated and figured I'd do something editorial because that's what I was closest to be qualified for and actually applied and was accepted as a legal editor, one of the big publications. Um, if you heard people critique my grammar and sometimes sentence structure, they laugh. But, you know, when I focus, that's actually what was a strength. But I actually got, at the time, it was the best job in the world. I was an editorial assistant at um, Business Week or an assistant editor of Business Week in their mm-hmm. executive programs division, now known as sponsored content. <laughs> Back then, it was editorial. And I read the news all day and just made recommendations and outlined thoughts on read news all day. But didn't know what to do after a year. Editor there said we should go to Washington, D.C. Um, you know, people your age, it was in my early 20s, really get to do amazingly powerful things in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, that was hugely motivating. Um, and, you know, when you look back on it, that's wildly scary because it's actually true. 
But that said, I moved down to DC. I went to graduate school, studied uh, political economy at Georgetown and worked um, in copyright and trade policy for about two years. Found the policy arena really interesting, found the statistics and the process and the politics behind it interesting. Um, and then my then girlfriend, now wife, who we met in grad school, moved back to New York. And someone said, well, you know, go, go to a PR firm for a year or two. You can get a job in New York and they hire former political people all the time. Oh. Um, got a job at uh, Edelman doing political work um, up in New York uh, or public affairs work um, mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, for some of their larger clients in New York and ended up staying because the, you know, the, uh, the cynical side of me says, I actually learned a lot about PR in DC because that's really what DC does. Right. Um, and then I was able to apply in New York, but it was actually, it turned out that the the focus on the political side and the policy side in DC to the point about you never know what's interesting and how you can apply it in new ways has mm -hmm. been hugely important to my career because when you're counseling clients, and we had a little of this when we were working on the media and tech side at Accenture, um, the regulatory, political, and policy environment is basically your license to operate environment. Yeah. So someone you know, on the surface may go, well, what does media and high tech have to do with DC? Well, you understand the pressures they're under, the policies they have, uh, have to adhere to, how mm -hmm. regulators can get involved and all that drives or, or provides permission to make business decisions. So I often use that kind of start of my career. Yeah. Um, I, I, I it's, yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, I don't even think I knew all of that about the DC background. And, uh, and so that always makes it interesting when you can kind of discover more things. That's exactly how I started. I started in DC. I started in public relations, journalism and public relations. And I agree with you. I mean, here I was a kid in my twenties and I'm at the Washington press club and I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I, I'm with people that are highly influential and not even realizing at the time, you know, you're having lunch and you're sitting next to people that are making pretty significant decisions for the country. And yet I was just completely oblivious. I thought that's what everybody did. And you know, as a young journalist, crazy. you may be yeah. quoting or relaying their positions in an article in a way that drives the opinions of other major influencers. Exactly. Oh, I love that power. Love that power. Big smile, right? So fascinating, though, because uh, even in terms of the political science, your background and dramatic literature, I, I love that. So just real, what's dramatic literature, which is. Uh, I think that's NYU's very fancy way of playwriting. Uh, ah. studied plays. So it was part of the English lit department. It was an interesting program crossover with Tish. Okay. Um, but it was, uh, you know, you studied everything from the, the Greek tragedies and dramas to Shakespeare to Sam Shepard. It was a great program. I'd say my favorite part of it that was a good lesson for life was, you know, we all sit around and critique each other's work. Mm, and what did someone mm -hmm. really mean? That's something you do in, in literature and it's something you do in life. There was one class that always stuck out in my mind where we had to write a play and the class read it and they critiqued it. You could not say a word. They sat mm. around, discussed for an hour what you meant, what was your motivation, what were your thing? You're sitting there going, what the hell are you? No, not even, <laughs> you couldn't say a word. And it was one of those lessons that look, the literature part was great, but the real lesson I took away is people are gonna define you all sorts of different ways. And they're gonna yes. try and figure out what you're thinking in all sorts of different ways. And you have no control and they don't really care what you think, even when you're sitting right in front of them making faces, which I could do, but mm -hmm. I couldn't talk. It was, mm -hmm. it was a really great exercise. 
It is a great exercise in humility for sure, right? Wow. So, so, okay. So now you, you, you are extremely successful by, by definition of career, but in my, in my view, but how do you define success? Um, well, it's generous of you. Cause it's like when someone asks me how my week is going on a Monday and I let them know, I'll get back to them on Friday. Um, <laughs> so I will give me a couple more years and then I, I hope to absolutely agree with you. Um, I mean, I've done well, I've really enjoyed it. I've been very fortunate in, you know, being able to find the right opportunities that allow me to progress, but definition of success has has changed over time you know you start out it's like in dc it's wow we're, we're powerful and we're getting a big title and maybe we'll make more money in the future and that's you know is probably pretty typical that way and over time you start thinking more about you know what's your multiplier effect what's the biggest impact you can have um, you know, what's your, what's a professional legacy you can leave things like that. I'm not quite right. at that point, but I think about it because I've just found someone to me a while ago. And you, when you think that way, you do a better job for others. So right now, a lot of how I focus on success, it's really two ways. One is, you know, within the communications industry, when I was interviewing at Fleischmann, someone asked me what, what I thought was a great question. They go, you know, what kind of Mark, do you want to leave? What do you want to do here? What kind of difference yeah. do you want to make? It's a basic question, but an important one. Mm -hmm. And I gave an honest answer, which apparently they like because I got the job, um, which was, I don't know yet because it's, you know, it's relative to where I am, but I want to make sure I make a dent in the industry. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to be a part of a team where we do something where others look at it and go, we need to be doing that too. Mm -hmm. um, it's not about don't care. I tend to run away from awards and things like that. And that's one of the things I like about FH. It's not always in our DNA, but doing things where people realize we're doing what they're, they're really leading the way and, and leading progress is, is one thing that's really important, very motivating. And then the other is kind of catalyzer or really, you know, day to day on a day to day basis, mm -hmm. not just empowering other people, but helping set them up for success in the same way. Right. Whether it's forming the right team around them or working with them on an idea to get it to the point where they can just take it and run with it, or mm -hmm. just putting them in a situation that really leverages their strengths. You know, you take you take any one person in one area, they may do fine. You put them in the right setting, they're just going to explode with potential and more potential and realize that potential. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's really rewarding on a day to day basis, and that that helps meet that long term goal of kind of putting a dent in our industry universe, so to speak. Yeah, and I, that's why I appreciate so much you participating in this because that's exactly what we're trying to do here is, um, as you know, I feel the same way that, you know, yeah. I have been so incredibly, I don't know if it's lucky or just in the right places, but my career has done the same kind of thing where I've had other people who really helped me along the way and I really want to be able to help that next generation really take oh. those learnings and apply it because that's, that's, that to me starts to get to your purpose, right? Why are we here? What are we leaving beyond, you know, hey, I got a great paycheck. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, we both really worked our asses off to get luck. It's, yeah. you know, it is true yeah. to say that. And I, you know, like, I remind everyone, look, you might fail 99 times, but that hundredth time, just keep at it. It'll feel like you hit luck. It's not that you hit luck. It's you, you keep pushing, you keep pushing the right direction. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, you just got to be relentless about it. And I, you know, know from our past experience. Yeah. Well, you, you're, 
Well, oh, there have been a, there, there have been a lot of those. So I'm going to switch here a second and just kind of ask you, is there anything that you would have done differently in your life? Um, it's a tough question because there are probably a lot of things that if, you know, someone could say, well, here are your thousand potential life paths. I could look at it and go, that would have been fun. That would have been fun. But the truth is like, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. I have a, a great position at a great firm, you know, got a good personal life. I just, you know, be happy with what you have. I'm very happy. So I'm very fortunate that way that the only thing I really could think of is this is for someone who's, who's still in school. I was a horrendous student in school. I was just abominably bad mm. um and while people go well you seem to have done okay in the end it was a you know that that lack of being a sponge that lack of learning that lack of academics did make getting started that much more difficult so whether you're learning because you're still in school or you're learning as a junior executive versus to your point focusing on your resume like mm -hmm. just as much time as you can focus on learning whether it's a professional environment or an academic environment you will build a stronger foundation for whatever you want to do next. Yes. Um, yes. And now let's do this. If I went back in time, I'd probably still behave the same way because I had a lot of fun in school and that's not really a good <laughs> lesson. But, but I can tell you, like my, my takeaway has been like, I've done okay in the end, but it was, it was 10 times harder when my career really launched, you know, mid to late 20s. It was 10 times more difficult than it could have been because I just had a lot of catch up to do because mm. it took me years to learn how to be that sponge. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the answer is I was the nerd, shockingly, uh, you know, with the, your with the, yeah. With, <laughs> so I would just say there's probably a happy medium. Um, but I love to ask that question because quite frankly, there are people who say, you know, I wouldn't do, have done anything differently. And then there are people who really, I mean, I don't want to say they have regrets, but they do talk about things that opportunities that presented themselves that maybe because of a lack of maturity at the time, uh, they didn't take. And yeah. so uh, not to and say I, that they haven't yeah. figured it out after, but you know, there, there could be some things like that. So it's just always an interesting. By the way, you, I do want to, like, I do want to idea hit on an important point. It's not about, if, if the answer is I would have done different, this differently, it's not about looking on it in with regret. Look, you know, I look at it as, I think everyone should look at it as um, learning. Mm -hmm. So because I didn't do it this way in the past, what can I learn from that going forward? Right, right. So we're going to pivot for one quick second here, maybe a couple of seconds, actually. And we're going to go into fun facts about right. you. Yeah, because people are going to get to know you a little bit better. So first one is really around a person you admire the most. Um. So that was a really tough question. Mm -hmm. As the audience probably suspects, I got a sneak peek at the questions. Um, the answer is really a relationship. So the Clinton Bush senior relationship, I always found hugely interesting mm. and something everyone can learn from about who are you going to learn from who are you going to form a relationship, how to get things done. Here were two people that, first of all, you know, Clinton, you know, be president, in the ele uh, president Bush in the election, you know, midterm, that mm -hmm. wasn't pleasant for Bush. Their politics are totally different. Their personalities are wildly different. Right. Um, you know, both in terms of their personal and professional values and behaviors, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm not saying I'm necessarily a supporter of either one. It's not a political statement, but the way those two came together to support causes and got to know each other and appreciate each other, I just found amazing and a lesson we can all learn from in terms of, you know, it has been the echo chamber problem for the last decade of people were only comfortable talking and debating and have a conversation and sharing perspectives with people who are pretty much have the same value and perspective as we do, which is no way to develop. And it's not only a way that you won't improve, but mm -hmm. as we've seen in American society and others, it's a good way to devolve as opposed, as opposed to evil. Right. And here you had two people that obviously had, you know, very, very, very different values and styles and politics. But the one value they shared is they both look to improve. They both look to learn from others and they both seek to appreciate what others bring. And mm -hmm. they did that with each other. And so that's just a relationship I've always, mm -hmm. always admired. It's finding and that common ground, right? I mean, yeah. it, again, it was interesting. We had uh, a woman on who, very interesting story. She's head of a local community college. Uh, she's African-American. She grew up as um, in, in a household where she was homeless and the, her grandmother took her in. Fast forward, she now has her doctorate. Phenomenal story. And she brought up, you know, we talked a little bit about inclusion and diversity, right? Again, people can be very different in terms of how they were raised, the color of their skin, um, their belief system, but find common ground. And I think whether it's politics or any other area, that's really what makes this country tick. So again, not getting into the politics of it um, one way or another, but really talking for the, talking about that. And I think that is a great learning and something that as more and more people, you know, you're, if you're coming into the workforce, you're somewhere in the middle, you have to, you know, it's uncomfortable, but you have to address it right. instead of trying to avoid these things. So, so terrific. I love that example. Favorite book. So favorite book is, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit tougher. Um, I'd say as a kid, it was, it was Harold and the Purple Crayon. I just love that one as a kid. Um, still often buy it for other people. And I say without shame, I wouldn't mind cracking it open once in a while for a little childhood inspiration. Um, as an adult, like I, I still love uh, political humor. So thank you for smoking was an early one. You know, for those who've just seen the movie, there was a book beforehand. Um, and it, you know, the purpose, you know, in terms of not taking oneself too seriously, I call it the, the ugly underside, because there's certainly a lot of truth to it, of the communications industry. Mm. So it's important to be able to, you know, laugh at oneself and one's profession, but also at the same time, understand what you shouldn't be doing. Um, and that was a book that had both lessons in one. And then uh, Christopher Buckley, who wrote that, also wrote a book called Boomsday, which at the time was a little humorous and retrospect is, is, is a little bit scary. This is well before Trump. And, you know, the brief summary is um, you know, basically a, a politician goes out there and makes an absolutely outrageous proposal just to get some attention, not to actually get elected, mm -hmm. but ends up getting elected because everyone loves the outrageous proposal and they want to see it happen. And it's something like if you, you get more money or something, if you agree to offer yourself by age 76 as a way of doing kind of population control and getting the national debt under, I don't remember the exact plot. I read it years and years and years ago, again, well before we saw the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But it was a good lesson in that, you know, when you, it was a good lesson in two things, you know, all very, very little is actually original. Um, and when you read books like that, and then you see things happen in real life, you're reminded that 
everything's happened before. And if you read enough, you'll get a sense of the history that you have to learn from. So you can't be too shocked mm -hmm. by current events. Mm -hmm. And that includes things going on in society today. Um, and so when you read books like that, you're having fun, but you're also learning and you're also able to, you know, by doing it as political humor or historical humor, you know, that mix of humor, drama and real life lessons, um, right. maintain a little sanity when you're reading headlines that just make you think, what the hell is going on out there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good one. So favorite movie or streaming? Uh, well, I want a streaming show, show Cheers. There is a Cheers episode. I've said like throughout my life, they are my philosophers. There is a Cheers episode for every life situation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. At this point, show. it's kind of aged itself. And my kids look at it and go, wow, that show is really old. <laughs> uh, but I, I, still, I still hold by Cheers. Yeah, look at Ted Danson now. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh favorite city uh chicago right tied between chicago and hong kong it's just great downtowns great walking downtowns mm, great food mm -hmm. and drink downtowns lots of great entertainment just interesting people to watch um you know live in the new york area lived in the city for years but um i've still i spent a number of years in chicago and then traveled mm, to hong okay. kong a lot and i just love those two i'd probably say yes. new york if i was in Chicago or Hong Kong. But. Yeah, I was waiting. I was thinking you were going to say New York. There you go. Okay. Favorite food. Oh, everyone has it, but pizza. And I, I live okay. in the pizza belt. I love making pizza. And, you know, I'm part of the masses that if we could Good. have one food on Desert Island, it's got Good. pizza. Good. Okay. All right. Uh, but so, if it helps, New York yes. or New Haven style pizza, not Chicago pizza. Yes. Sorry, a little doughier. So yeah. yes. Chicago, Chicago wins, but it's not a clean sweep and it doesn't include pizza. Yeah, that, that whole battle of pizza, right? The best it's, pizza. We let them think it's a battle. It's not. <laughs> Spoken as a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> so how can listeners reach you? Ephraim.cohen, E-P-H-R-A-I-M.cohen, C-O-H-E-N at Fleischmanhiller.com. Or pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. Um, if you message me on LinkedIn, I'm usually check it at least several times a week, if not more often. And Great. I always encourage people to reach out, questions, ideas, maybe a little busy at times, but I will get back to you. Wonderful. Oh, this has been so fun. And I am so glad that we yeah. got to catch up. And I learned some things about you, which always is interesting. Likewise, and you don't see each other yes. for a number of years and you catch up, you forget what you knew about each other and what you didn't, and all it's, of a sudden you learn something new. And it's so fun. And a lot of laughs too, which I love, right? You got to laugh every day. That's my rule. Hence the political humor in books. It's, it's the way, it's a way to get through life and have a lot of fun doing it. It's great. So thanks everybody for listening to It's Great Business and we'll see you next time. Thank you for having me here. My pleasure. Have a great Bye -bye. day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Intracoastal Marketing, LinkedIn at Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, and Instagram and Twitter at It's Great Business. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.